Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Grey's Academy, your favorite Grey's Anatomy podcast in the entire universe, galaxy, Milky Way, planet. Um, my name is Carmen. Didn't know where I was going with my that. My name is Kelsey, and it is a beautiful day for a podcast. And uh, it is... We're going to... Okay, we're going to first... This, this episode was a lot. Um, there's a lot of sad things that happen in this episode. So we're going to lump the sad things together in the first half because we're going to do two episodes, two parts today again. So the first uh, the first chunk we're going to do is going to be um, the pediatric, the terminal pediatric patient and then the suicidal patient. So we wanted to put a content trigger warning on both of those things. So if those things are not something that you are in a spot where you can listen to, maybe just skip to the second half um, and it will be uh, less intense. Probably. We are going to start, so, though, with our normal, like, uh, talking about yeah, the episode, yeah, we'll do like all the writers. First. We just so if you're curious, if you're curious, as soon as you start hearing us talking about you know, the as soon sad as we shit. actually get into the episode in 20 minutes, you can see right. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, first of all, uh, the writer strike is over. Yay. Yeah. We recorded this, this in advance. Out, so yeah, when this comes out, yeah. it will actually have been over oh, for a week. Um, the episode that released last week, we recorded early cause we're trying to get enough episodes so that there are no breaks when we're out of town, but I don't know if we're going to make it. We might have one, have one week break. Uh, no, we'll because we will have the one. We already have one that's coming out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. This one comes out the week of the fourth. Uh -huh. The one we're recording tonight comes out the week of the 15th or something, right? 12th, 8th. Hold on. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> never, never do planning live on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> As per usual. But we tried. We did our darndest. Well, maybe not. Maybe we'll come up with a way. Who knows? Maybe Monday night or something. We can like get one last episode in and squeeze it in. But what we're going to try. We're going to try. If we do have a break, it's going to be the week of the 15th to the 21st, right? Yeah. Okay. Anyways, the writer's strike yeah. is over. Yay. Yay. Um, so, yay. Luckily for us, everything agreed. is improv and we don't do any writing. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, what else? What else is happening? I had Chipotle for lunch. Uh, I had no lunch. Uh, which is sad. I did have a coffee, though. I have had a pumpkin coffee almost every single day this entire fall season. I already had caffeine and I want to have another caffeine because I know we're going to be recording late tonight, but I don't want to give myself a panic attack with all the mm -hmm. caffeine because mm -hmm. I did mm -hmm. do that in Florida when we were there for the bachelorette party. It was unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. Because I drank a Trenti, Trenta, Trenta, yes, Trenta, a refresher. And I normally get a venti and I normally get the venti and sip on it for like an hour and a half. I got the Trenta and chugged it in like 45 minutes and then like sprinted somewhere because we were late. Well, and then I, I was like sitting in a restaurant. I was like, I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> you and I have very different caffeine thresholds. Uh, it's because true. I am <laughs> it's true. <laughs> like we did. We did inventory the other night. And granted, that was an overnight. But I did a Trenta cold <clears throat> brew with four shots of espresso in it. And then I had a Zoa and then I had a Red Bull. That's like. 
that's a panic attack, but also a heart attack. That well, at at the at one point, I'm like bouncing around, and like you know, like I already have adult ADHD. Like this is like I'm already pretty jittery and wiry, and like kind of like my my hands are doing stuff. Like I'm bobbing around, moving and grooving. And at one point, one of the other managers is like, Carmen, should we cut you off of caffeine? And I go, Yeah, that's probably probably a good Switch idea. Switch to straight up just Skittles, nothing yeah. else. Yeah. I did have a lot of skills and a lot of Reese's. So anyways, you were going to say something before we, before I circle back to this. Uh, if you have not yet, go hit that like and subscribe and five star button wherever you are listening to this podcast. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please hit that review button. Write us out a sweet little note. We'll read it live on air. We love that. Uh, shout out to all of our Patreon patrons. We have... Uh, a discord that is up and running and there are a spoiler free chats where I'm involved. And then there are spoiler ridden chats. That's a fucking free for all that Kelsey is involved in. Mm -hmm. Um, Kelsey has made this and it is just absolutely incredible. Cannot shout her out enough. Uh, Also make sure to go on Instagram to, to hear if we do change the dates of any of the recordings for whatever reason, uh, at Gray's Academy pod uh, on Instagram, uh, at karma.gabriel.official, that's me, at chaoticallykelsey, that's Kelsey, and also send us any emails that you want at graysacademypod at gmail.com. And with that, you were going to say something about our 100th episode coming up or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, this will, as of recording it, um, we're recording on the 27th of September, and I think we released our first three episodes on September 30th of 2021. Oh shit. So, wow. So crazy. We're at like two years. Muchly has changed. You have a baby. I now have two babies. I now live in Tennessee. You already lived in Chicago when we were started. I this. almost lived in Tennessee. You did almost live in Tennessee. You will <laughs> live in Tennessee one day. It's fine. <laughs> Lots of things are going on and everybody's fine. We're going to Florida next week. No, two weeks. Well, you're going next week. I'm going in two weeks, right? Yeah. 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 We're leaving Wednesday. We will try and remember to actually record content of the two of us doing silly things in the theme parks. Should we just take, I know our our picture didn't turn out the way that we wanted it last time. Should we like just take a picture? Just like, should we find a green screen? I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We'll figure it out. It's fine. We should take pictures in logo. Yeah, yeah. I I do like the one that you were working on. I, we just never we never got it finished. Yeah, it's just doesn't clean up as good as I want it to. Yeah, you know what I'm waiting for though. I'm waiting for the day when we're uh, out at the grocery store. Like today, I, I was I went to Jewel and mm-hmm. also just shout out Jewel. This is not sponsored by Jewel, but they had just the best deals on steak and salmon. It was like seventy percent off. And I don't buy filet mignons, but they were cheaper than like like ground beef. And I'm like, fuck, I'll get a couple of these for dinner tonight and uh, some salmon slices. Uh, so but anyways, a lady came up and took the little basket that I was using. And I said, thank you so much. You have a wonderful day. And I thought to myself, what if any of these people turned around and go, oh, my gosh, I know that voice. You're the voice <laughs> of my favorite Grey's Anatomy podcast. And then I would say, no spoilies, and then walk away, you know. Run away. Sprint away. 
<laughs> no, 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 no pictures, please. No autographs, please. I'm just a normal person. I put my pants on one leg at a time. I just like all, want all to of live you. A normal life. <laughs> please, paparazzi, don't let them know I'm here. Uh, that's yeah. that's my dream. One day, one day, it'll happen. Anyways, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are together. They're maybe potentially going on a date. Maybe. You hear he rented out the entire restaurant for the whole team afterwards? Yeah, because he's dope as fuck. Yeah. Also, I lost my first game of the year in fantasy this oh, week. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I got too smart for my own good, and I like <laughs> subbed out some guys, and I did some research, and I lost by the exact same amount of points that I would have subbed my guys out. So I would have won if I didn't so sub. So you lost by the amount of points that were on your bench? Yep. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. I don't because my now my entire group of coworkers who are in that have done nothing but give me a hard time because I was like I'm going undefeated this whole season I'm going to the Super well, Bowl you said, I'm winning everything. Occasionally, it's okay not to just run your mouth. <laughs> eh, I don't know though? if you're aware. I'm not of I'm the not rules. Aware. Um. Yes. So, do you have anything else that's important to say before uh, we? Actually everything talk that about I say is important because I like Richard Weber. I'm always just so intense all the time. But no, I have nothing else to say right now. I'm ready to okay. talk about some a song and some sad shit. Okay, this episode is the 98th episode. What, what? It's almost so 100. Close. We're recording the 99th episode tonight. Can you believe? I literally cannot. I know. Um, so it is the 20th episode of the fifth season. So we only have four episodes left. I think like two episodes ago, I was like, we're halfway through the season. And then I was like, we're almost to the end of the season. <laughs> so it's coming up. Good job. Um, and this episode is called Sweet Surrender. And that is a song. Sweet Surrender is a song apparently by just so many people. It uh, is by a lot of people. But originally... The one that Kelsey had sent me uh, is written and recorded by American singer-songwriter John Denver. Good old... John (laughs) Smith. Human person. Uh, It is from the album Back Home Again. And this song um, was recorded uh, with the album. It was not. It was not a single. And uh, it did, however, reach... As high as number 13 on the Billboard Hot 100. Now, uh, wait, hold on, hold on. Sorry, sorry. I got I got ahead of myself here. It actually reached uh, number one. It did hit number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot, uh, hot Adult hot. Contemporary Tracks. Uh, it reached number seven, which is interesting because it hit number seven on the country singles. It charted higher uh, for the adult contemporary tracks and then reached uh, number 13 on the Hot 100. It charted... At number one in Canada. So crazy as well. Uh, this doesn't feel like a song that Canada would love, but Johnny Denver, his uh, his hits Canada. are inter- international. Uh, and then he reached as high as number 38 in Australia. And this is the 74 to 75 chart, by the way. So Sweet Surrender, I am not a huge fan of the song, uh, but I will say it had a little bit, I think just uh, I can appreciate good old Johnny Colorado. And uh, he, 
While it's not getting out of my iTunes library, I will give it a... Did you just sniff yourself? I was seeing if I had sweat stains because I feel sweaty. Oh. But I don't. But like I feel like I'm sweaty. Oh, I do. There it is. Oh, you a little bit. That's okay. But it's <laughs> it's great. You're doing great. Uh, no one's here. I already yeah, smell like cilantro from the Chipotle. So. Incredible. I love that for you. Uh, why? If you're sweating, why put a blanket on? Because like I'm cold in many oh, places. God, that like cold my leggies sweat. and my All armies. Right. But everywhere <laughs> that I'm clothed is sweaty. Anyways, the song gets a two out of five, which is an intern or med med student intern. intern. Yep, intern two out of five. Two years. And two years with that, it's still okay. It's just a lot of letters. Okay, numbers. No, intern is I N T E R N. That's six letters. And med students a lot of letters. This Fellow so attending. I can't believe I'm your friend. Resident. Yeah, I believe it. I'm incredible. <laughs> With that, I'm gonna take a sip of my coffee, my coffee, and uh, my coffee, and you can take it away. I super will. Oh my god, a bug! You ever okay. see that? Hold on, you ever see that that video on Instagram? Nothing. Name me a better sound than this. <laughs> she like shakes her glass <laughs> yeah. of ice from the Starbucks. I'm like, okay. All right. You're mocking her, but you're the one doing it because you have the same drink. I... <laughs> Ice water! <laughs> Name a better sound! So Is this funny. ASMR? Yeah. It's asthma. Asthma. <laughs> we just said that at okay. the same time. Uh, okay, this episode was written by Sone Washington. Directed by Tony Phelan, aired April 23rd, 2009, um, to 13.55 million views, which is like 3 million lower than last week. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know what was going on. There's also, well, it's also um, almost, I think it was a three-week break in between last episode and this episode, so that was bizarre. Um, Okay, so the Netflix synopsis. Izzy throws herself into Derek and Meredith's wedding plans, but the stress of her illness takes its toll on Alex. Mm, It takes its toll on her. Well, I don't feel like... At the end, Alex is, I feel like she is... Alex is sad about Izzy being sick. Yeah. But his... I don't feel that his, like work is impacted by the stress of her illness i feel like he's just not a, doing a good job in this episode just not a good doctor yeah not team alex yeah he's yeah it's you know in high school they called him mr freeze <laughs> did he say that at some point no i'm making that up i'm making fun of him because all that man does is freeze Oh, i see what you're saying this was slightly reminiscent. Well, we'll get there. Okay. Um, so, yeah, let's start with, um, we'll start with the Alex and George um, and the car accident. Yeah. In the, in the ER. So, um, George and Alex are in the ER and these two ambulances come in and it's a pedestrian who was hit by a, uh, someone driving a car. And the pedestrian is claiming that the guy was like um, driving erratically and was irresponsible and he hit him with his car. 
and he was in a crosswalk and the driver is claiming that the guy dove in front of his car like Superman, like with his arms fully outstretched, like intentionally dove in front of his car. Um, so what was your first take on that? So my initial reaction, I, I thought it may have been something where the, the, uh, the driver had like a seizure or, or like something was going on, but, I didn't expect it to end the way it did. Um, so, but when, when George at one point was like, well, I got to get a psych consult for this guy because the, like the, the consistency of his injuries aren't lining up with what he's saying. Right. Right. That's when I was like, interesting, interesting. But yeah, my initial knee jerk reaction is always, I I always just go to seizures at this point. I'm like, Mm -hmm. they had a seizure while they were driving. Oh, they had a seizure while they were walking. Oh, they had a, you know, whatever. So yeah, that was my first gut reaction. Um, so they take, uh, Mark, Derek, Lexi, and Owen are with the driver because he has somehow more intense injuries than the human being who was hit with a moving vehicle which is kind of insane to me well it sounded um, like he he swerved and he didn't hit the guy fully but he swerved and he what would he hit a light pole at that point i think so yeah something but it was just crazy to me i was like wow um yeah he was definitely way more uh hurt so then um uh, Alex and George Owen is like, okay, George, you like do a workup on this guy and like report to Alex. And then he tells Alex that he's running the OR or the ER rather. And Alex is like, cool. I'm great at stuff. And like Alex has done well with his solo surgeries and like, um, on his cases, but we haven't really seen him, you know, in a trauma situation in a, in a long time. And this pairing is kind of reminiscent of the heart in the elevator, like season one or two. Yeah. Um, so it was like a little bit of a callback to that situation because it kind of played out very similarly. But um, so George, you know, is kind of doing the workup and kind of puts two and two together that this patient, Mr. Malloy, because he start starting to get antsy. He's like, do we really need to do like x-rays i don't want to talk to the police i'll just give you my phone number like i have things to do he's getting agitated and george is kind of figuring out like you know what you said the injuries don't line up with his story and so he pulls alex aside he's like hey i want to do a psych consult and alex is like we're really busy so is that really well, necessary? They Which have I'm this like, kind of like dick swinging contest where yeah. George he, is like, is, it's almost just like, oh, well, I'm in charge and I think that's dumb. Yeah. Well, it's also stupid because George is like, if this guy leaves and hurts himself, it's on you. Which, first off, I want to point out, is valid. Then Alex comes yeah. back and is like, well, if someone in the waiting room dies because of, th- then it's on you. And I'm like, what the? What? Yeah. No. Why, I, yeah. I don't like what, <laughs> one why makes sense. The other the does not. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's like, like imagine if going in to the, the waiting room dies, then your triage people are doing a bad job because they're right. supposed to be assessing people better yeah. than that. Imagine someone just keeling over next to you uh, at in like the, the waiting room of a hospital yeah. and someone yells back and goes, damn it, George, this is your fault. Like <laughs> screaming back down the hall. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I agree. Yeah, that's a George's good call argument the triage, is though. way more valid. Yeah. 
for sure. Um, and so then, you know, it is busy in the ER. Like I will give both of them that like George wants to get the consult and Alex is like, fine, whatever, get the consult. Um, but then George also continues to care for his other patients and Alex just leaves to go visit Izzy, um, which he didn't do at all last episode. Right. Uh, and now he's just doing it instead of doctoring people. And well, so, now, now he has all the responsibilities he has to abandon. You don't understand. Right, right, right. That's true. Um, so then uh, he leaves and the guy, the site console gets there and he's just missing. Um, and so Alex and George go outside to look for him. And they're just like screaming at each other. And George is like, I don't know what Hunt sees in you. I don't know what Izzy sees in you. Everyone's a fucking moron. You're so stupid. Which like, <laughs> I kind of understand. Like, I see where he's coming from. I like Alex, but I, this is a bad episode. It's not a good look for him. He's definitely had a roller coaster. I love his overall arc up to this point, but like there's ups and downs. Like he isn't making great choices in this specific episode or with George in general. Like they don't have a good history. They don't have their personalities aren't really gonna mesh like it is what it is um and then but there's you know, no Alex comes back with basically the same thing he's like i tried to respect you but there's nothing respectable about you and i'm like whoa that's like you've got you guys have got to chill like just all of these slippery slopes over here insults like yeah and then oh. and then of course like the drama of it talk about a medical drama like we have not seen an incident like this in several episodes um, they just hear like a crunching noise. And so they look up and they see like a window spider webbing, which like, I don't know if you've ever been in a hospital, but those like plain windows are like, they're like, it's like an aquarium. They're like six inches thick. Like, I don't think you could break one, but he breaks it. And then it's like the worst CGI ever of him. Okay. Thank falling. you. I made a note of that. And I'm like, is it insensitive that I'm calling out just the terrible graphics? No, it's really bad, bad I mean, it's 2009, so it is what it is. But yeah, it's a really bad CGI, like Grand Theft Auto, early like time video games of him throwing himself out the window. Again, he is suicidal. We don't want to make light of that. But the portrayal was not good. And I'm going to acknowledge that. Yes, yes. Um, and then he lands on a car and it is like very like jarring. Intense. Um, the car like crumples under him. All the glass shatters out. Um, the alarm starts going off. George immediately springs into action, which like this is a good episode for George as far as doctoring goes. We've had like he's you know, he's coming back into his own in the past couple episodes after, you know, a very long absence. They said, hey, <laughs> he's been on a hiatus. Let's really shove him down people's throats now. Yeah. So remember, he, George? Um, <laughs> He gets it like figures, you know, hops into action, like calls for the gurney. They meet Hunt inside and he gives him the rundown. He's like, this is what we've done. This is what we need to do. I already have an OR. Let's go. Let's go. And Alex is like, oh, yeah, his heart is hurt. And Hunt's like, all right, <laughs> we're good. Thanks so much for your time. Do you have do you have the the dialogue pull up for this episode at all? Uh Yes. I, I made a I made a couple of notes that I'm hoping that before th we are done talking about this conversation, you could circle back on on the, these two scenes, dialogue wise, to dig a little bit deeper on this. Okay. But yeah, it's like man, 
Alex, like you are good. You're good in the low pressure stuff. And he was really talking up his game. He was like, man, I flew solo. Like you got training wheels on Izzy, blah, 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 blah. And now it's like uh, George is all-star again, you know? Right. Which is good for him. Um, so. what, what were you want, wanting to, to circle the actual, to? the actual yelling exchange that they had in okay. the parking lot, because also while that was happening, I had to watch the, I had to pause this. I, I wanted to, I didn't write the dialogue there, but as they panned out and they were like so far away from each other, it's funny because I noticed I'm like, man, there's, there's a really shitty, like old car in front of the <laughs> hospital parked in a weird spot. I was like, the dude's good. Like something's going to happen. Um, uh, but yeah, they pan out. I start to get that feeling. And to your point, number one, we don't want to make light of the suicide, but terrible CGI. Uh, not worse than uh, a stake for a vocal cord uh, yeah, callback. Still pretty bad. Still pretty bad. But um, th- those those hospital windows, you have to kind of suspend belief for a second because those things are basically bulletproof glass at that point. Yeah, like it's they're very intense. Yeah. So what was what was the actual di- like what what shit did so they throw at each in other the parking in that scene? Lot, yeah. Yeah. Um uh George says you didn't even want the site console. I don't get it. I just I don't. I've tried to give you the benefit of the doubt and I I don't get what Hunt sees in you and I sure as hell don't understand what Izzy sees. And Alex says, "Oh, shut up. I'm the one who tr- who's tried. Izzy likes you, so I've tried. I've tried to find one little ounce of respect for you, but you're the one who lost this guy. You thought he was suicidal and you turned his back. That's not on me. I'm done with you, O'Malley. I'm done trying to respect you. I'm done." And that's when they hear the glass. So, obviously you have the benefit of hindsight. So, for like uh suspend that for a minute mm-hmm. in this exact moment who do you think is more in the right with what they're saying to each other like because i here, here's my thought to this point i really don't feel like alex has tried to connect with george like at all i tried yeah. i tried no he hasn't when but i don't feel like um George, he says, I've tried to give you the benefit of the doubt. What he's done is just tried not to interact with him at all. I don't think he's tried really either. And I don't think it's fair to say to your best friend's partner, I don't know what so-and-so sees in you because that's hurtful and hard to recover from and quite possibly damaging to the best friend relationship. Um, Especially if she lives past this cancer, which she won't (laughs) because I predict that she won't. uh, And so... I mean, like, I don't think it's fair for Alex to be like, well, you should have just been watching this person. But I but I left the OR or the ER. So, like, you should have been, you know, doing everything in the ER, but also not taking your eyes off of this guy. Like, um, sir, you you have some accountability in this as well. Uh, and we just don't see that shit, of course. Um, and so, like, honestly, both of them are going to the nth degree because they're mad and like it's a stressful situation. Um, and I just think they're both wrong. And I, I, it's kind of hard to say like whose side I'm on because as far as out, like outside of the medical aspect of it, I'm like, okay, you just don't get along. Like it's fine. Just don't, you don't get along, whatever. Like that's the world. You're not going to be friends with everybody. Yeah, my here here are my thoughts. <clears throat> when you when you're in an argument, obviously you say stuff you don't mean. That's that's nature, right? 
I mean, it's not nature, but it is. It's just what happens. <laughs> it's, which is, it's maybe it's not natural to say shitty things, but it is whatever. Um, so, sorry, podcast burps. I just finished my my coffee. I feel more in this moment medically on Alex's side, but personally on George's side. Medically speaking, if you pushed so hard for that medical consult, yeah, you probably should have stayed closer. But also, why the fuck did the consult take so damn long? Half the episode that like, consult took. What? A, but it, what about all it the falls other on Alex? It falls on Alex though because yeah. he's supposed to be running the OR. I will say that that There's is leadership. Caveat. Yes. However, on the personal side of things, I think I think I kind of agree with Alex a little bit. Mm, it's okay to no, agree with neither of them. That's kind of where yeah, I Yeah, they're, they're both kind of shitty. Although I will say the, the thing that I really don't like about Alex with what he said is even if George, you, you didn't respect him because he failed the, the intern exam, mm-hmm. at least respect what he had to do to get to where he is now. Yeah. Because he's he's had to work four times as hard to just get back into the game. Yeah. And now that he's there, it's like, okay, I'm here to stay. There's got to be some yeah. respect with that. But Also, I, I will say I do think it's there's a different thing to be like, oh, I don't know what hunt sees in you versus I don't. There's nothing about you that's respectable. Like that is, yeah. I don't know that a those are intense. necessarily like a one for one comparable uh, declaration. But, but it is yeah. also unfair, like to your point, for George to say, "I don't know what Izzy sees in you." I'm like, bro, you don't fucking have to. Like, also, yeah, you don't because you don't talk to her about it. Yeah, you just are like, oh. gotta go. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, it is. It is also unfortunate though that. The thing that frustrates me about their friendship is, well, would you call it a friend? Like they're, I mean, they're friends. Would you say they're friends? I don't know. Even uh, still, after watching the show for almost a hundred episodes, I'm still like, are they fucking friends? Uh, but George would bring things up to Alex about Izzy, and he would shrug them off. Like, and we never got an apology from from Alex to George of, hey, or like any you- man on the show. <laughs> Right, yeah, there's no... Well, no, who who did we get an apology from? Hunt. Hunt apologized. He does. He does, yeah, that's true. Yeah. He does he apologize apologized. for the accidental almost murder, yes. You know, it's fine. You know, <laughs> everything's going really well. Um, so, yeah, anyways. it's just, I mean... Yeah, and Alex, it's not even like Alex shrugs it off. He's straight up like, don't talk to me about Izzy. Like, okay, well. Ever, ever again. Yeah, just mm, mm, not the best look and didn't age well. Yeah, for sure. Because she's dying. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I'm really glad that we get this scene where. Oh, that was the second dialogue. Can you just run off all of the shit that George says as they're going on the gurney into the elevator? Yeah. When George so is like, Hunt, oh, yeah. Hunt and says, he's. Yeah, go ahead. Hunt says, what happened? Alex is like, uh. And George says, we did ATLS protocol, but he's he's we inserted bilateral chest tubes, but he kept on bleeding out. Then he started 
radiating down, so we pushed atropine. I opened his chest when we lost vitals and found the jagged edge of a rib protruding into his ascending aorta, so I attached a clamp, and I'm getting some faint heart activity. Owen says, you got an OR lined up. George says, OR2. Good work, I'm like scrubbing. Alex is like, yeah, his aorta is, and that's Owen's like, we've got it. Thanks so much. So... I do get some joy with Alex having egg on his face. <laughs> yeah. He's and just, I mean, he needs to be humbled. Yeah. Every once in a while. The thing is some people do well when they're humbled and some people like double down on whatever they were, you know, wrong about. Right. And so it's like, where is the actual learning? Well, um, no one, no one actually learns in this hospital. Or this that show does seem to track. Um, uh, also, I don't think we got like resolution, um, a resolution on whether or not that gentleman lived. No. Although it does look like we officially, and I remember, I remember we had this conversation a while back where you wanted me to predict where people's uh, specialties were going. And it mm-hmm. looks like George is heading to trauma. I do think with Owen. Did I say that? Don't remember. I think I. I think I. I think I feel I like you did it. though. I, feel I think like I you did s- say trauma for George. Yeah. And you said cardio for Christina, obviously. Meredith, I think you said. What did you say? I think I was. I, th- I think I said the easy answer was neuro because she's with Derek all the time. But I. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I actually was able to think through that because what was I think her mom? You said that, General. Yeah, that's what you said. You said what Ellis was. Yeah, I believe you said that. And then I think with George, you said trauma. And then with Alex, you said OB. OB or plastics, which is what he originally was mm-hmm. saying. But I, I think I said I, uh, I think he's going to go to OB, mm-hmm. which okay. he is. And Izzy, you said. Was going to die. I actually do think you said it doesn't matter what is. Izzy wasn't going to pick one. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I said it doesn't oh, fucking yeah. matter. She dies. <laughs> but she's the she going into this like or very early on was the only one that I knew left yeah, yeah, the yeah. show. Yeah, for sure. Which um, it was all of my information happened very quickly. It was like, oh, Catherine Heigl's in this show. And then it was, oh, there's no way she lasts long. She's a big person and then it was yeah. like oh yeah the writer feud and i was like oh they for sure write her off then i don't know yes it was like very and information to overload. recap we as the viewers do at this point in the show know about the drama with the writers um and katherine heigl's statements about the show and whatever it may be yeah <sighs> anything um, okay anything else with this specific topic um also, I do recognize this this guy from two places. One is in Shondaland. Yeah. yeah. And the other is from Suits, actually. And also, um, he was in a lot of episodes of Madam Secretary, which is a good show. Ah. And he was in a couple episodes of The Blacklist, I think. He is? That wouldn't shock <laughs> me. I need to go back and like start that show from the beginning and just fucking go through. They're, are they still recording? There's still new episodes of The I Blacklist? I think so, yeah. Although they could have stopped like two episodes, two seasons ago, in my opinion. I think I'm going to wait until they're done and then yeah. go back and rewatch it. Because that's the problem. I did a rewatch and I got caught up. 
And then mm-hmm. they like went into a break and I was like, ah, fuck, it's boring. I'm not going to get back into it. Yeah, I, yeah, that's fine. They could have ended it. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, I'm just like, I just want to know what, what you're getting at, but I don't like want to watch to know what you're getting at. I just want to know. Yeah, I think I, well, we could take this, com- we could take this conversation offline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, do you want to take a quick break? I think that sounds great. Do you want to introduce our regional sponsors, Kelsey? Um, yes. Uh, here are some regional sponsors. Thank you for sponsoring us. And we are back. Okay. Let's talk about some fucking sad ass shit now. Really (laughs) upsetting plot points. Um, did you cry? Oh, absolutely. I I I cried a lot. This tech conversation that I had with your wife last night while I was watching the show. Yeah. Oh wait, you watched it last night too? Yeah. Yeah, me too. I said the episode of Grey's we are watching, we are recording next is absolutely going to make Carmen cry. It is a very upsetting dad-daughter storyline situation, and it is fucking brutal. And she said, which one? I don't remember (laughs) them. And I was like, yes, it's been a long time. I was like, it's a tiny little sick girl named Jessica. And she goes, oh, no. And I go, and she's terminal. And the dad is a single dad and, like, won't accept that she's dying. So then when he does, it's big emotions. And she said, oh, no, poor Carmen. So I went through a full range of sad to angry. I knew you were going to be mad. I knew you were going to be mad at this doc, this dad. Yeah. Uh, but also, so yeah, I, I cried way more at this than I did for, um, what was, what was the guy's name with the, the face with his friends, the oh, orchid Dave. guy, Dave. Uh, when she said, don't call my friend ugly, fuck. But this one, I was like, oh gosh, I was, I was, and I was sitting in the middle of the, in the basement with all the lights off. So I'm just, I have my (laughs) laptop on my lap. I'm watching Grey's and I'm just like sitting there crying. And then, uh, when the episode was over, I immediately turned the TV off, closed my laptop and I went upstairs and I grabbed Marlo out of her crib and I just slept (laughs) on the recliner and just laid with her and I fell asleep for like an hour and a half. So, oh, gosh. Yeah, this this episode got me. So, okay, take it away. Um, okay, so we, first of all, Bailey is like, oh, I'm, like, she goes to talk to Arizona. And Arizona's like, you should go home because it's your day off. And we've been working, like, a bajillion hours. And she's like, yeah, no, it's cool. I'll watch you do this surgery that you've got um, that I want to see. Um. And so then they get caught up with this patient who has Tay-Sachs, which I meant to look up and did not. I did look up. Do you want me to give that okay, right now? Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to finish that bite of? Yeah, I'll finish. Eating? It's a granola bar. I'm very. Oh. I haven't eaten anything. <laughs> it's these. Actually, it's from Costco. It's these. Um, these Nature Bakery fig oh, bars. Oh yeah, I've They're seen so, those. Oh, so fucking good. Hmm. Okay. Say something to give me a minute. Um, so Tay-Sachs is a terminal. They do say it's terminal and the kids normally live only four to five years and little tiny yeah. baby Jessica is six. Yeah. So here's what I got. I had to look this up. Fewer than 20,000 cases happen in the United States per year, which makes this very rare. Okay. Yeah. Now it is inherited. It's a genetic disorder. Uh, and it destroys nerve cells in the brain and the spinal cord. Um, there wasn't any reason specifically why, but it does say that typically it's found in Eastern European, 
uh, Jewish descendant people for some reason. There's no like medical study that's shown why, but that is for some reason one of the biggest uh, groups that that's, this happens to. So this is a very similar disease to that of like HIV, where it doesn't actually kill the person. It's typically it leads to a disorder that happens or a sickness that happens uh, outside of that. It weakens the body. So most likely the cause of death with a lot of these uh, Tay-Sachs patients are lung infections. So similar to like a a pneumonia. Mm -hmm. So it just ravages the body and then something else comes in and kills them, unfortunately. But so apparently it's, it's typically found very early on, but there are some times in later adolescence where it gets, uh, it gets noticed and it kind of starts to, to, pop its head out so um yeah the the usual early prognosis is four to five years but there are some cases that go longer but i had to look that up it's very sad very fucking sad yeah it's very upsetting for sure um so yeah the dad is just like there's never an explanation on where the mom is. I don't know if the mother has passed away, if she was like, I can't deal with this and just bailed. Um, there's no explanation. So it's kind of just up to assumption, but he is alone parenting this tiny little child. And he is just like frantic. Um, he's just like, can't comprehend. Um, that his daughter is going to die. And it's clearly like he's been fighting for her for so long. I I think it's one of those, like you don't want to give up because you, I think there's probably a part of him that was like, well, I've been fighting and I've been doing, you know, looking into all these experimental um, studies and everything. And so there's probably a part of him that was like, it'll just, it'll, it'll work out. Um, She'll be okay. Like I'll find a way and she'll be okay. And that's obviously not how it's happening. Um, So he is really, really struggling to get to that acceptance point. Um, And Bailey is just holding this tiny little girl um, in the chair and then like laying in the bed with her. And she's just like, I want my dad. And the dad comes in and she's like, well, I'm just so tired. (laughs) It's just like, oh, it's just fucking brutal. Um, And yeah, he finally, you know, Bailey gets him to that point or whatever. But it's really just a very upsetting He's so, just like holding her while she dies. Yeah. Just so it, when we first meet the girl, obviously, so she has like a, she's a seizure, I think. Um, and when Arizona is like, dude, you don't have days to get to Mexico. Like yeah. this girl has hours to live. And he pisses me off. He's like, shame on you, Dr. Robbins, for giving up on my daughter. Like, dude, what the, f- how long has she known you? She has, like, the, the science is here. Like, yeah. no one's giving up. She's just saying, dude, you gotta, you gotta be with your kid right now, man. Yeah. So I was really pissed off at that scene. That that was very unfair. Um, I mean, I think it's it's hard, though, because I definitely understand where, it, where he's coming from on, like, absolutely. I'm just not gonna accept this. Like, it's hard to just be like, oh, you're wrong. Because he yeah. is. But, like, obviously, thankfully, we have not been in that situation to, like, we can't no. just be like, oh, well, if yeah. my child was dying, I would be fine with it. Yeah. No, I would be doing so. the same thing. But I think if the doctor was like, you you just have hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I will, I will say, this is a sidebar. I recognize this actor from Psych. He was in an episode of Psych. 
Uh, if anyone remembers the episode where they go to, I think it was uh, Camp Tiki Hama, and uh, it they turned it into a murder camp, and he ends up murdering people. My gracious. <laughs> yeah. So I recognize him, but my thought process this entire episode when I was watching this is if I, if this guy I'm getting goosebumps talking about this. If this guy misses his daughter's death, I can't even imagine that that like emotion. Like and I was I was nervous he was gonna miss it. Even in the room where where this girl is like, I'm tired, where's my dad? And Bailey's holding her and he's just standing there like, I gotta get on the phone to buy a flight to Mexico. I'm yeah, like, dude, if if she flatlines right now, I'm gonna be so pissed. Yeah. This fucking episode. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, this is a rough one. I did not care for um, reliving this this one. There's just so many that I'm like, this is unpleasant. Yeah. yeah. More unpleasant I, now that I have children. I don't know how I'm going to watch private practice. Like, I don't know how I'm going to keep yeah, watching private practice. There's some really bad ones on private practice. Like, ugh, yeah. It hurts. Should we it just cancel the podcast? Like, the rest of the, like, should we just quit? <laughs> Before our before our hundredth episode, ninety eight episodes. We don't even get to the one hundredth or the end of the fifth season. Ninety eight yeah. episodes. Bye. <laughs> that and that's a wrap. That's a season wrap <laughs> on Grey's Academy or a, sh- a series. Yeah, a show wrap. That's it. Yeah. So okay. So ugh, should we get into the depressing parts of this? Yeah, let's do it if we must. Okay. Poor. Poor Miranda Bailey. Oh my God! On her day off, she could have been getting a pedicure right now. She's just trying to stay there so that she could learn a little bit extra and watch this surgery that that Doctor Robbins is going to do. And she just she knows that it's important that she is like, you know, that someone is with this this child. And even when Arizona is like, "Do you want me to get someone to relieve you?" and then. The tiniest hand in the world. Fuck. Scrubs. The tiniest hand in the world. Oh my god! It, like hurts my soul. It it's <sighs> it's episodes like this mm-hmm. that really just make you want to not take being a parent for granted. Yeah. I'm just like oh. this shit sucks. This shit, Kelsey. This shit sucks. <laughs> Watching really this episode fucking sucks. Talking about this episode fucking sucks. <laughs> Thinking about yeah. this episode sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ugh. not a bad episode. It's just like it's a great why episode. would you do that to us? We you gotta think that the writers are sitting around a table just crying as their their pens are frantically writing the dialogue <laughs> here. Oh uh. gosh. So poor ba- Bailey And then at the end when she's like I should have fucking been holding my kid all day And I was here holding this other kid And then Oh we also find out that she hasn't told Tucker about the Peds Fellowship Which is insane So that's not great <laughs> Trouble so, in paradise um, Again we already know Things haven't weren't going great and then he went on a date and then they were just fine i guess after that because sam and naomi were there and that apparently fixed bailey's problems with her marriage and so well, they had now, a quick orgy solved it all <laughs> now she's like i haven't told him and then i did love what arizona said to her 
Um, she says it's more than cutting with peds. It's more than just cutting. What you did today was heroic and you know it. And she was like, okay, I'll tell him that. Zero to hero, <sighs> Miranda Bailey. Well, no, she was already a hero. Hero to hero. It's true. Hero to heroer. <laughs> so I obviously we are not doctors, even though legally we have to say that we are. Um, if you work in peds, respect. That's got to be the hardest from a personal standpoint. That's got to be one of the hardest that and and uh, oncology. I just don't get it. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, she says she's like, sometimes you just like, there's just nothing to be done. And you know, I mean, you know that from day one, like as soon as they would have had this patient, they're like, well, this, this is a terminal illness. So. And you can't help, but not get attached. Kids are just magnetic. You're going to be with them for, since you've made that diagnosis, probably to now. And especially with it being a single dad, like you're probably that much more involved. Ugh, it's just brutal. And the fact that she's like, oh, we've talked about that. We've prepared for this moment. So I'm like, you've sat with this parent and like prepped them for this horrendous trauma that's going to happen to their life. And that's just unpleasant to think about. Nobody wants that. Yeah. Shame on you. Yeah. Yeah. So the end, the end of this journey, obviously, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, The guys is kind of like non-existent. Some of the episodes, some of the episode where well, Bailey's he's just with frantic. the kid, he's, he's just frantic, frantic yeah. trying to find a solution, and there's just not one. So that end scene, though, where she's like the girls wheezing, and she's like, and, "Are we going to Mexico?" <sighs> he's like, "Yes," and he's just crying, and he's like, "Oh, the ocean's so blue, and the sky is so blue, and the sand is so white." Yeah. You're going to love it so much. And it'll just be me and you and no doctors. And then she flatlines. Then she just dies. And the thing that that kept me crying, I'm like getting emotional right now. The thing that kept me crying is like he he's still going. He's still talking. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she's she's gone. And, and crying. And yes. There's a lot of there's a lot of science and studies about like people trying to quantify the soul, right? Mm-hmm. Have you, have you read any of those articles? Have you read any of those studies? Um, and it's been a while, but so I'm not going to go into the logistics of it, but I'm sitting there thinking if there is a quantifiable version of the soul and when it leaves the body, like imagine the little girl as she sits there, her soul leaving yeah. Just observing kind of that little ghost of Christmas past style above the body. Yeah. I mean, there have definitely been like stories that I've read from like doctors and especially people who like work in hospice where they're like, you can feel it in a room when somebody dies. Like, even if you're just like on the other side of the room, you can just be like, you can feel it. like a, the room changes when somebody dies. I'm like, that is crazy. I mean, like, yeah. I believe it. I've never yeah. thankfully been in the room when someone died. Um, but yeah, it's, have you ever been in the room with a dead person with a dead person? Yes. But not a person who dies like have a, you, like a funeral, like with a, a dead well, person, not a like a funeral, but like 
like who like just died. No, no. Like, yeah, my mom wasn't in the room when my grandfather died, but she was, she went in and then was like, oop, and then like immediately turned around and went to the hospice nurse and was like, I think you should check on this. And she was like, oh yeah, I'm about to go take his vitals. And my mom was like, no, I think it's going to be easy. You should check the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then going to go check his vitals. That's, that's so well, sad, it but like, it's not, it's no, funny, but it it's, was, it was good because my grandfather's whole thing was like, I don't want to die in a hospital. I want to die at home. And my mom had taken him to the hospital earlier that day. And the hospital was just like, not doing anything helpful. And she was like, I'm just going to go home and like call the hospice people. Like, that's yeah. what he wants. And so she went home and like called the hospice person and the hospice person had set up like three things in the bedroom and come out because my mom was signing papers. And then my mom was like, oh, I'm going to run home and get something. So she went back in the room and he had already passed away, which I think was like she was basically she was my mom was very relieved that she like made the call to just go to his home because that's all he had ever said was like, I don't want to die in a hospital. And so I think there was also part of him that was just kind of like waiting to get home as well. And I think, I mean, it was kind of just one of those things where it was like, when you call hospice, you know, you never know, like people go on hospice and still live for months to years. Right. Um, so right. it's, you know, you, all you know is that like it's coming and then it's very unpredictable, obviously. But yeah, I mean, my mom was just like, it was just, you know, and then she was like, it was good. Cause you don't have to, there wasn't like watching him deteriorate just being like, you know, is he in pain is whatever, whatever. It was just like, and we're done. And that was kind of, she was like, it was just very like, it was, it was good. You know, one of those things. Also, he was very, very old. Yeah. Um, but no, I, then, yeah, it's, I've never been around that. I think Michael's grandmother, I don't know if he was there when she passed away, but he was there like at the hospital. It was like her and his sister and him. And they were like, okay grandma like she was like basically fully in a coma like not but she was alive and they were like talking to her and they were like okay like everyone's coming into town tomorrow so like if you don't want like everyone to see you like this now's the time to die basically and she like passed away that overnight that night um I don't remember if he was there when she actually I'm not sure but yeah it's just I can't cannot imagine no, I don't, again, I'm, we've talked about this before. I don't even like open casket funerals, so I like right. don't want to be in the room when someone. Does. But I also like in situations like this. Obviously, like I'm not going to be like mm, I don't want to be in the room with the dead person, so I just won't be there when my child is terminally ill. Like obviously, that's very different, but it's just there's no good part of it. You know, the part that I have a really hard time thinking about is how do you. If you have a kid with a terminal illness, how do you even continue to work? Yeah. How yes. do you do anything? How do you taking any second away from that kid? Yeah. How? Yeah. What's this single dad doing? Yeah. The I the, don't know. the daycare or the nanny is getting the, the final or just, moments she just, like, and lives months in the hospital. I mean, that's right. like when they when you have like um kids who have cancer and it's like, well, the parents can't just be at the hospital all the time because they have to go to work to be able to pay for the medical bills. Fucking America. Um, but so then it's just like, these kids are just like in the hospital. I mean, they're not alone. Cause you know, they have 
you know, the nurses and the doctors that like make the hospital run are like, taking it's not care the of them. same though. But yeah, it's also, also just like as a parent, like I can't even imagine having to make those choices. Cause like, yeah, there, you wouldn't, you would be like, nothing else matters. Like fuck literally anybody else. But I don't know. There's just like, I, it's, I, mm, decisions I don't ever want to have to make. Yeah. And for anyone out there listening who have made those kind of decisions, obviously can't even begin to think, you know, what you've gone through. And if you have any stories, like, please let us know if there's any way that we can help kind of spread that message for, you know, on people's behalves. But that's one of the things that is the hardest. It's it's the un it's the unseen the invisible trauma of watching some of these shows is like, well, imagine what these, like the real life people that, that yeah, this is actually happening to. That's, well, that's what causes divorce like, and it causes these, uh, uh, medical, uh, bankruptcies for this stuff. Yeah. Right. You know? Well, and, and then it's just like, you're the, the little girl dies and then it's like, okay, well now you just have to go home. Right. And that's true with anybody, like a child, a lo- any loved one, like parent, anything like that. Like, I can't imagine like leaving a hospital after being with a loved one who has passed away and then just like going back home to potentially a home you shared with that person. Like, yeah, no, like, I, like it, it's just, I would be like, well, I have to live somewhere else now. Cause I don't want to live here anymore, but it's yeah. also like, well, this is where all your memories are with that person. So like, do you want to let that go? I don't know. Like, I don't know how people make that choice. Like it's again, things I don't like to think about ever. Yeah. And the only thing that she had on her that you could keep as a memory is you got to keep that beanie. That little baby hat. A little baby beanie. Yeah. Poor baby. She was so small. Gosh. (sighs) Emotions. Emotional damage. Emotional damage. Yeah. Truly. Um, Well... Um. Is there anything else you want to say on these two incredibly sad, depressing topics that are necessary? Yes. And f- you know what we actually didn't talk about? That's actually very, very important. It's the end with Alex and George. Oh, yeah. Like, things act- actually are kind of good. Oh, yeah. Um, Going back so, to our first patient. Yeah. At the bar, um, George is there drinking. Uh, he's alone. And Alex goes up and he sits next to him and says you kicked ass today Allie you kicked my ass and George says well I just had did what I had to do and Alex is like no you kicked ass and then he says I'm not like that I'm good but not like you I'm not good under pressure and then he pivots and he's talking about Izzy she's really sick and I'm not good under pressure and then George like hands him the drink and they drink together but I think what's important about this is growth from Alex because he is saying like you were better than me, but also like you were just good. Like you're just good at this thing. And he's recognizing that, you know, obviously it goes back on what he was saying earlier where he's like, there's nothing respectable about you. Like, obviously he's like, okay, well you are a good doctor. And Alex says, he's like, I am good, but not like that. And I do think that any surgery, you are going to have to think under pressure, but you're it's, it's more like confined, right? If you're like, it's a narrower scope than what George is showing. He can, Yeah. If you are going in to do a surgery on like the bowel and, you know, something happens with the bowel, you've probably potentially prepared for that complication versus like this man who has his entire body is just wrecked now because he jumped out of however many story windows onto a car. So, um, 
But I think it's important to note that Alex does not only recognize that George did a good job, but that he was better than Alex. And then Alex not only recognizes it, but verbalizes it to George and like says, you are good at this and you are better than me, which both of those like, yeah, it, it, it shouldn't matter. Like as a quantifier, like, Oh, because I said you're better than me, obviously. Like it's just, that's important for Alex's character growth specifically. Um, because he's, you know, all like from the beginning when we meet him, like the ego situation is just, it's, it out of control. It's a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal for him to recognize it and say it specifically to George. It's not like he's saying it to Christina. Oh yeah. George did a good job today. Like he seeks out George and says it to him and then also confides to him about Izzy, which he had previously said, you know, don't ever talk to me about Izzy, but like, so that is also a step in the right direction for, their I guess relationship friendship moving forward and yeah. then also potentially George and Izzy and Alex and Izzy yeah my my big thing with that scene is um George says a lot without saying much yeah you know that when he slides that beer over it's mm. solidarity uh, yeah it's it's you don't we don't need to apologize anymore like we're good you know and i will say that and i'm trying to remember back to when this happened but when george's dad died alex was like kind of good to george like he understood right like george wasn't I mean, he alex wasn't harass him. he didn't harass him he wasn't like nice but he like wasn't a uh, yeah dickhead. they were there for him um christina was really the one that was like the most there for him because you know she had also lost her dad yeah so um, i don't know i think they have the capacity my my official prediction is they become friends okay yeah okay. but well. good end scene it's uh you know, definitely nice to end the episode on a little bit of a higher note with a unification rather than, you know, yeah, just, just ending on the extended Jessica scene. argument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good call out. Big, big I also, fan. Of I what thought about warning you. I thought about warning you about the child, but then I was like, that's like spoilies. Like I just, I'm just yeah, going to have to like, like I wanted to, because I'm like, this fucking sucks. But I also was just like, well, I can't tell him that it sucks. Cause then he'll like go into it with a different mindset. Like you just got to watch the show. I don't know. I, the only, the only warning that I need and I, and I do need this is when we get to the point where it's the episode you've only watched once. Mm-hmm. I need to know beforehand because I want okay. to be able to try to guess why as I'm looking at it. Okay. Because I would have no idea why. Like, because if you watch this episode (laughs) as a parent, like, what the fuck possibly? I I don't think I've done a, like, a... So, I, a lot of times with Mike, when I do Grey's rewatches, I will start in, like, the most sporadic spots because I'll, like, I'll just randomly think about one episode and I'll be like, oh, I really want to watch that episode. That and it'll be sense. like in episode seven. And then I'll just be like, I'll just let the next 10 seasons go. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they're earlier on. I not definitely not watched a lot of it since I had children. Um, like you remember what episode that is and you just skip over it. I mean, I know what episode it is. Yeah. And I, it will both be obvious and surprising. Hmm. I think. Can you tell me what season it is? 
No. Both because I don't super know and I don't want to. Okay. But please warn when me. When I get to, when I get to that season, I'll, I'll be like, this is the season. What <laughs> I it's want so you. so far away. What it's I want. so far away. It's literal years away from now. <laughs> <laughs> if we maintain this schedule, it will be years. <laughs> That's fucking funny, though. <laughs> I don't want to know what season, like if we get to the season, I don't want to know, oh, this is the season that's going to happen. Because I don't want to guess every episode, but I, what I want yeah. you to do is when we end recording an episode, just like this, I want you to say, and for all you listeners out there, this episode <laughs> next week is the fucking week. And I want I want that to be our cliffhanger for our, our podcast. Okay. Um, well, with that being said, I think podcast, it's time for, I think it's time for our cliffhanger yeah. is everyone's favorite segment. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.